You are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. You got your Bibles? We're going to be in Matthew chapter 15. This has been the text, the theme text for our, for our series uh, this past, I believe this is week six. This may be one of the longest series that we have ever done at Discovery. And so Matthew chapter 15, this has been a series on emotions and not allowing our emotions to take control of us. And so, uh, so, so this is not a behavior um, observation. This is a heart observation. And so we tend to, when we're angry or, or greedy or there's envy in our hearts, we, we, we tend to, to try to modify our behaviors and our actions. But in fact, Jesus in, in, in Matthew chapter 15, he gives us other advice perhaps better advice, dare I say it is the best advice, on how, uh, if, if you're wanting to get control of those emotions that try to control you, uh, this is what he suggests, Jesus. He says this, don't you understand yet that anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer? Come on, food poison. <laughs> but the words you speak come from the heart and that's what defiles you. So Jesus, he, he's making this big statement that uh, in fact the things that that come out of your mouth, that things that start in your heart then they go to your mind and then they become actions, they all start right here in your heart. And so he's saying, hey, don't monitor your behavior, monitor your heart, monitor the things that are in your heart. And so this week we're going to be looking at our last mind monster. I think it's the queen bee of mind monsters. And so uh, if you're taking notes, I want to title this message, Liar, Liar. Liar, Liar. Let's pray one more time and then we'll jump into it. Father, we love you. God, we thank you so much for what you're doing already in our hearts and in our lives. God, we give you uh, the, the next few moments together that you would just speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. God, we don't want to leave here the same way that we came in. We want to leave here better. Not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. We love you so much. And in Jesus' name, come on, everyone stand. Amen, amen, amen. So I have three siblings. No, that's a lie. I have three kids. I have three kids. I have a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, and an, oh my gosh, 18-month-old, or 18-month. And um, what's interesting, if you, if, you, uh, if you don't have kids or, or you maybe forgot, what's interesting is that the youngest always wants to do what the oldest does. And so my 18-month always wants to do what his nine-year-old, almost nine-year-old brother does, Eli. So Eli's a nine-year-old, almost nine. Uh, Sammy is the 18-month-old, and, and 18-month. And so uh, my, my oldest, Eli, he loves, play, he loves wrestling, okay? WWE wrestling. Hey. <laughs> uh, thank you, because I felt like everyone else was judging me. And so, so my, my little boy, he loves, he loves wrestling. He loves, uh, so we bought him like these action figures, WWE action figures, and, and so like he's always playing with them, okay? My youngest, Sammy, he, he watches Eli play with his wrestlers, and he started playing with the wrestlers too. 
I think we have a, a, a video of my youngest. Do we? We don't. We don't have it. So just picture and imagine my little, my little baby just playing with these wrestlers. And it sounds adorable. It sounds cute. However, uh, my oldest, he hates it. He's not a fan of it. He, he doesn't like his little brother playing with his wrestlers. And so, so what we did, because we, they, they started fighting about it, uh, what we did is that we, we got a backpack. So my son, he keeps all the wrestlers in his backpack. We got a little backpack for, for Sammy, the youngest. And, and then we bought him, or we got him these little, these small, they're, they're fake. They're different than, than the wrestlers that my son has. And we thought, He'll be fine with those. He'll be happy with that. So we showed him. We're like, Sammy, here, your brother doesn't want you to play with his wrestlers. He's mean, so just play with these. <laughs> and and so, so he, he pulls them out of the backpack, and he looks at them. And the look that he gave me was like, what are these? <laughs> what are you trying to give me here? And he, he put it down and he went straight to, to Eli's backpack and pulled out his wrestlers. And we're like, oh, what is going on? And, and so, like, this has been, this has been a battle in our house for the past three months. No joke. And uh, we, we try to get him to play with these little fake wrestlers. But he knows what he wants to play with because it's what his brother is playing with. Let me say it this way. Eli, he models something for Sammy to reflect. And, and Sammy, he's so locked in, so lasered in on what his brother has that he won't settle for anything less. He won't settle for a counterfeit. He won't saddle, settle for something that's fake. Like he wants the thing that his brother is modeling and playing with. See, I'll tell you that because, interestingly enough, if you're here this morning and you would identify yourself as a believer, as a Christian, as a Jesus follower, uh, it should be your and my desire to reflect everything that Jesus models for us. In fact, we should so desire it that we don't want anything else that is counterfeit. That we, we don't want anything else that is not the real deal, that is not being modeled by Jesus. And so this morning, as we journey through our mind monster topic, I want, that, that's really the foundation of, of, of how we're going to be going through this, this message this morning, of understanding, we're going to lay a foundation of who God is, because if we could understand that, and if we could understand that it's our job, if you're here and you are a Christian, it is your job, my job, to reflect what God models, what Jesus models. And so that's going to be the blueprint in which, what, in which we're, going to, we're going to go through the entire message today. And so our, mes or our mind monster for today is hate, the emotion of Hate. See, I said earlier, I think that hate is like the queen bee of all emotions. And here's why I say that, especially 
between the emotions that we've discussed the previous five weeks. Here's why I think hate is the queen bee of all emotions. It's because if you leave the emotion of anger and fear and greed and envy, if you leave it untouched and you don't try to deal with it, it has the ability to morph into hate. To, to hate not just people on the outside, but it could also change the way that you see yourself. And hate could become something that works on you too. And so I, I want us to look at the, the emotion of hate this morning. But before we jump into what hate is or, or what the scripture, the Bible says about hate, I want us to understand who God is. And in order for us to do this, we're going to be in the text of the letter of 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Uh, between now and to the end, we're going to read 21 verses. Excuse me, false. We're going to read 17 verses. And, uh, and that's just going to, that, that's going to be the rest of our time together. But here, here's, here's what it, really what I want us to get into to understand is that that if in order for us to address hate, I think as a believer, we first got to understand who God is. And so 1 John, it's a, uh, it's a letter written by the Apostle John. Um, and, and so this is the one where uh, the Gospel of John, where he was like, I'm Jesus' favorite. Like, it's this John. Uh, he's a little older now. He's a little wiser now. In fact, John, the author of this letter that we're about to read, he, uh, he was an overseer of uh, different churches near the, the city of Ephesus. And, um, and, and so within these churches, there was a little bit of drama. I know what you're thinking, drama in church? What? <laughs> and, and so there was, there was drama going on in the church. And so it, to, to address this, John wrote a letter, 1 John. And in this letter of 1 John, he, he writes about really who God is. And then we're going to get to chapter 4, chapter 4, verse 7. And that's where we're going to kick off our reading this morning. And it says this. This is John. He's writing to the church. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So let's pause right there. It's important to understand what John is saying here. Uh, he, he, he's letting us know that, that anyone who, who is born of God and knows God. So what John is not saying is that all you need to do is love and, and then you're a believer. That's not what he's saying. He's not taking the place of Jesus. How many of you guys know that Jesus is a, an important part of, of our faith? And, and so what John is saying, in fact, is that when, when you tap into the love that, of who Jesus is, that love should complete you as a person. Love should complete me as a person. And so everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Verse 8, whoever does not love God does not know God because God is love. So for all you note takers, our very first fill in the blank is this. God is love. God is love. The very foundation of Christianity is founded on this premise that God is love. 
We read John 3, 16. It, uh, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Love is who God is. God is love. So if God is love, then I need to switch my focus from what is love to who is love. See, because culturally, in our society today, love is a what? What is love? Right? So love is this. Love is when this happens. Love is when that happens. You know you're in love when this takes place. And so society, it sells this idea that love is a what? The only problem with that is that it becomes subjective. And so what you think is love may not be what you think is love or what you think is love. And so John is writing in our text, he's, he's saying that love is not a what, but rather love is a who. And he said that God is love. And he continues on in the next verse and he helps us to identify if God is love, then what type of love is he? And so here he is in verse 9 through 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might love through him. So, number one in your notes, second fill in the blank. Here's what you need to know about God's love. God's love is generous. God's love is generous. He loved, God loved us beyond expectation. See, let me say it this way. God, the creator of the universe, the one that breathed air into Adam, that pulled Eve from the ribs of Adam, like this God, he loved us so much. And here's the thing about that is that he didn't have to love you. He didn't have to love me. But he wanted to love me. And he wanted to love you. His generosity was based off of our potential. Let me say it this way. His generosity was based off of not what you are now, but who he planned and created you to be. His love is so generous. So John, he, he lets us know God's love is generous. Then verse 10, he writes, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice or like as a makeup um, sacrifice for our sins. So here's the second thing that God's love is. God's love is unconditional. God's love is unconditional. I love the fact that it says, the text says in verse 10, that while we were still sinners, so like while we were still messed up, while we were still struggling, while we were still trying to figure life out and figure out who we are, like he loved us in those conditions. He loved us unconditionally. But I love what the text says in verse 10, and maybe they can throw it up there, that while we were still sinners, he, uh, that while, not that we love God, but 
that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So this idea that we, that we, we were messed up, right, as I, as I said. And, and, and so his unconditional love was that he loved me in spite of my sin. He loved me in spite of my mess-ups. He loved me in spite of all those stupid things that I did when I was a kid, all those dumb things I did yesterday. Come on. Like, he loves me unconditionally. And that's an important part to understand. He loves you as you are. But he never condoned how I was. He, he never, he, he, he loved me as a mess up. He loved John Peter as a mess up. But he never condoned the way that I lived. His love drew me to become better. And so, so his love is unconditional. And I think this is very vital in society today where, where culture and society tells us that in order to love one another, we have to condone everything about each other. Can I say that is false? That I can love you and I can not agree with you too. I can love you and not enjoy what you're thinking. Like, we can love unconditionally. We're called to love unconditionally. Because God's love is unconditional. So God's love is generous. God's love is unconditional. Then we're going to jump into verse 11 and 12. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also add, that's not the word, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. So verse 11 and 12 is basically a recap of the past five verses that we just read, seven through ten, or four verses. It's a recap of that. But it's important to understand the part where he writes this. Uh, you can put verse 11 back up, please. Thank you. Um, uh, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So again, the very thing that we started the foundation with, right? God models, we reflect. God models, we reflect. So God loved us. He loved us generously. He loved us unconditionally. And if that's how God loved us, we reflect. So we also ought to love others generously and unconditionally. Are you with me so far? And then verse 13, he gets to verse 13 through 18. We're not going to read that, but basically he talks about how Jesus is, in fact, the love that he showed you and I. By sending Jesus down, he said that when, when, you, uh, when you have a relationship with Jesus, that there's nothing that you need to fear, specifically in eternity. This is, he says in verse, uh, let's see, verse 15, I think, where he says, perfect love casts out all fear. And so it's this idea that you have nothing to worry about with eternity when Jesus, when you're in relationship with Jesus, who is God's love. Okay, so that's 13 through 18. And then he gets to verse 19. Look at that. We're going through all kinds of verses this morning, huh? Verse 19, and he says this. We love because he first loved us. And so this is our third 
uh, thing that God's love is. So God's love is leading, or God's love is first, or God's love leads. You can pick your own adventure right there. God's love is leading. So God did not wait to feel loved before he showed love. God wasn't waiting to see how you and I were going to respond to him before he reached out his hand towards us. He was not trying to test the waters to see, let's see how close they are to me or if they got my back before I extend my hand out to them. God showed love, or excuse me, God extended his love before, excuse me, God didn't wait to feel love before he showed love. Can I say that in the same way, that should be our response. I think it's, at least for me, I'll speak for me, before I'm ever trying to like let my love for someone be known, I, I kind of just want to make sure that we're, that we can coexist. I want to make sure that, that, that we can get along first. I want to make sure that, that you got my back first. When that might not be the love that God modeled for me. Like he, he went out on a limb for all of humanity knowing that there were going to be some people who are going to be like, I don't need you, God. And yet he still led with love. And so God is love. The love that he shows is generous, is unconditional, is leading. This is the foundation that John is building before we get to verse 20. And so John, he's wanting us to know that who God is, how God is love, and how Jesus followers, Christians, should, should love. All to get us to this verse right here, verse 20. Here he goes. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates his brother or sister, is a liar. So whoever does not love the brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. See, here's what's very interesting to me. John spends the past 19 verses building this foundation of who God is. This idea that God is love. He's building this foundation. And I imagine the readers, those people that are receiving this letter, the, the, the ones that are, I imagine they're reading this letter like, yeah, that's right. Generous love, unconditional love. Woohoo, God, yeah. They're like, this is the type of love I'm talking about. Woo! And it's almost as if John was setting them up for this verse 20. It's almost as if John was saying, oh, you like that love, huh? Yeah, John, it's amazing. He's like, well, good, because lean in. Anyone who says they love God and hates their neighbor is a liar. 
And at that moment, I could imagine the readers like, <sighs> see, because what we have to understand is that hate is, is counter to who God is. Hate is not, hate, hate, is, hate is completely opposite of who God is. And so here, here are a couple of, of, of things of why danger or hate is so, is so dangerous to us. The first one is this, hate impairs. That word impairs is, is to, to weaken or to damage. And so hate weakens or, and damages how you see yourself and how you see others. And so when I allow hate to be the lens of how I see myself and how I see others, it doesn't line up with what God says about me. And it doesn't line up what God says about you. And hate, it impairs. Here's the other thing hate does. Hate isolates. Hate isolates. When I have, when I have hate in my heart towards people, guess what? I don't want to draw near them. I want to Stay secluded. I want to keep myself isolated because I hate you. I don't want to be around you. You're annoying. Come on. <laughs> and hate isolates. Hate keeps me away when in fact God created us to be in community with one another. Do you know how many churches have been ruined because hate became isolating or hate uh, popped its head in the church and caused people to hate other people in the church and pulled them away? Listen, God's love is drawing us closer. Community. Listen, I've said this before. I am way better with you in my life, and I hope that you are way better with me in your life. That's the way it's supposed to be. Like community, relationship. We're supposed to be Together, So hate, it impairs, it isolates, and here's the last one, it idolizes. Hate idolizes. Hate is a heightened focus on something or someone that places it above Jesus. So when I hate someone, my focus is so much on that person I hate, that person becomes more of a focus in who Jesus is. And what is an idol? It's placing your focus on something else than what's really important. And so when I have hate in my heart and in my life, I begin to idolize that very thing, that very person that I hate. And so if we're not careful, hate, like it could ruin us. It has ruined us. Well, I'm sure we all know people in which it's, it's done that. And so hate and us cannot coexist. And so here's the last verse, verse 21. It says this, and he has given us this command, he being God. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So the mind monster is hate. But notice how I spent 75% of our time 
Not talking about hate, but talking about who, God's, who God is. Because if we want to conquer hate, we have to embrace God's love. We got to embrace who God is in our life. And when God truly has a heart, when God truly has your heart, every time that I feel hate rising inside of me, God's love should remind me, hey, my love is generous. My love is unconditional. And my love is first. But you don't understand, God, they're heck of annoying. My love is generous. My love is unconditional. And my love is first. And when I can learn to embrace who God is and understand the love that he is, then I can conquer this emotion called hate. Because anyone who says they love God but hates their brother or sister is a liar. I didn't say that. Don't get mad at me. You can email God. I don't, I don't want any angry emails. <laughs> I didn't say it. John, First John, verse 20. He says, liar, liar. Thank you for listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe, and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.